This episode of Story Institute's Ramblin' Verser is brought to you by Timeless Tales. We bring you travel and fun, creating new stories in your life. Enhance your stories now. Welcome to Story Institute's Rambling Verser Podcast, Episode 12. This week we're taking a little different direction in our storyline, and we're going to bring you someone who is not necessarily an author, but but helps writers uh, get the word out and actually organize the efforts around their books. And the name will sound familiar to, to y'all. It's going to be Robin Sullivan. Uh, we had uh, her husband, Michael J. Sullivan, on last week. We hope you enjoy the conversation with Robin, and you visit us online at storyinstitute.com. Uh, send us an email if you have any feedback at ramblingverser at storyinstitute.com, or uh, leave a message on iTunes telling us if you liked it or you, know, you weren't as impressed with it. Uh, thank you for joining us, and enjoy the show. This week's quote is brought to you by H.G. Wells. No passion in the world is equal to the passion to alter someone else's draft. And while this week uh, we think about altering uh, not only our drafts, but, but our marketing material and the approach we take to writing after the book is complete, uh, our special guest today, Robin, will be uh, sharing a little bit about what, what good tips are for marketing uh, your book, your writing, and yourself. And here's Terry with the poem of the week. Terry? And now here is this week's poem by Mark Twain, Genius. Genius, like gold and precious stones, is chiefly prized because of its rarity. Geniuses are people who dash of weird, wild, incomprehensible poems with astonishing facility and get booming drunk and sleep in the gutter. Genius elevates its possessor to ineffable spheres far above the vulgar world and fills his soul with regal contempt for the gross and sordid things of earth. It is probably on account of this that people who have genius do not pay their board as a general thing. Geniuses are very singular. If you see a young man who has frowsy hair and distraught look and affects eccentricity in dress, you may set him down for a genius. If he sings about the degeneracy of a world which courts vulgar opulence and neglects brains, he is undoubtedly a genius. If he is too proud to accept assistance and spurns it with a lordly air at the very same time that he knows he can't make a living to save his life, he is most certainly a genius. If he hangs on and sticks to poetry, notwithstanding sawing wood comes handier to him, he is a true genius. If he throws away every opportunity in life and crushes the affection and the patience of his friends and then protests in sickly rhymes of his hard lot, and finally persists, in spite of the sound advice of persons who have got sense but not any genius, persists in going up some infamous back alley, dying in rags and dirt. He is beyond, of all question, a genius. But above all things, to deftly throw the incoherent ravings of insanity into verse, and then rush off and get booming drunk, is the surest of all different signs of genius. Thank you, Terry. And sometimes it takes a genius to figure out what to do with your book after you've you've written it, you've taken the time to edit it, and now it's published. What do you do? The conversation this week will help you will help you with that. 
We're here with Robin Sullivan today, and she has a website, righttopublish.blogspot.com, and we'll let Robin introduce herself, uh, because traditionally our podcast has been about uh, writers and how they write. Robin has a little different a little different approach to uh, to how she fits into our podcast. Robin, uh, would you introduce yourself, and thank you for joining us. Well, thank you for having me. Uh, as you mentioned, my name is Robin Sullivan, and I have a uh, group of about 340 writers uh, outside the Washington, D.C. area. And um, I basically lecture on the business side of writing. So many times uh, writers are very good at creating um, materials, but they don't really know how to get the word out. So when I do my lectures, I go around the room, talk to everyone, saying, you know, what, what you're writing, where are you in the publishing process. And when it gets back to me, I always say, my name's Robin Sullivan, and I don't write at all, um, because really what I focus on is uh, the business side of writing and kind of marketing and working with agents and publishers and that side of the house. So, so speaking of, of that side of the house, you know, for, for those of you who have listened to the previous podcast, uh, you have recognized the, the last name of Sullivan. We had uh, Michael, who is Robin's uh, husband, on earlier. Uh, tell us a little bit about uh, how you've, you've helped your husband kind of publicize and, and get, get the word out about the Crown Conspiracy and any of his other writing. Okay. Well, um, my husband is brilliant in many ways, but in, in one way that he's brilliant is uh, he knows how to utilize me and use me very well. Uh, when he started writing uh, very many years ago, uh, he wrote an incredibly inept uh, query letter and brought it to me and said, look, here's my query letter. I'm going to send this out and get an agent. And, of course, I took one look at it and said, oh, that's not going to get an agent at all. And then he stepped, uh, he stepped aside and, and kind of knew from that point on that as long as he kind of goaded me into um, one-upping him, uh, that I would kind of take over it and go from there. So our relationship has been, over the years, uh, is he writes very compelling and interesting stories, and then I take them from there and do everything from finding agents, work with publishers, doing book promotions, uh, doing research on the Internet for different avenues to promote books. And I just kind of started it initially um, because of my interest of getting Michael's word out. But then um, as time went on, I started getting involved with this Right to Publish uh, group that we talked about at the beginning, and I met more authors and really realized that there's a lot of authors out there who um, really don't know what to do after they get their book done. And unfortunately, uh, in a lot of respects, writing the book is, is only half the work, and you really need to know how to promote it and what to do with it after there. And there's a lot of traps and pitfalls for, for writers, and I learned a lot over uh, a number of years dealing with this, and I just try to get as much of that information out of my head and in the hands of other authors. Uh, what, what type of things do you do you talk about uh, within those writing groups? Uh, I see quite a few topics on your, on your website that provide great tools for writers. Are those the type of things you talk about as far as marketing and, and using Amazon, those type of things? Yeah, so we're really fortunate here in the D.C. area that there is a, a plethora of, um, you know, very highly literate people and lots of writing groups. And, and uh, the group I use happens to use uh, something called meetup.com, which if you're not familiar with meetup, I highly suggest you look into it because it's a great resource. But almost every group that I've run into related to writers are always about critiquing work. You know, they, they get together, they, they swap their stories, they say what's good and bad. And, um, and I think that this is really the only meetup, uh, certainly in the D.C. area and, and maybe even farther than that, that really deals with 
specifically the business side. And I have a couple of stock lectures I do kind of on a rotating basis, on a regular basis, like uh, one I call it Publishing 101, where I just discuss the various options, everything from, you know, what techniques you need to use to get into a big publisher or what should you do for a small publisher, or if you wanted to go a self-publishing route or a subsidized publishing route, uh, kind of go through all those various alternatives. I also do things like uh, on social networking, um, talking about ways of letting people know about your book. I've done on um, things such as um, using the Internet to promote your, your books, um, how to do a book signing. Um, I'm also a great researcher. I find these, um, I find these really great sources for inexpensive uh, marketing materials for writers, things like posters for their signings and bookmarks and how inexpensive these things can be. Um, and so I kind of constantly am, am finding the cheapest resources out there and sometimes even free resources out there like Vistaprint um, where you can get free business cards and so forth. And again, I'm just trying to, to get that information into the hands of the writers so they don't have to spend their time kind of doing that research. You know, and you, you mentioned the, the bookmark piece and, and on, on your Write to Publish website, you talk about that being a great way for marketing and never to be without them. Uh, what, uh, how, have you seen, how have you seen that be uh, successful in, in just sharing the ideas about the book? Yeah, so, you know, I've you know, kind of got my, my top three things, and I think bookmarks actually show up on number two. Um, and it's really interesting because Mike's publisher um, gave him bookmarks. To be honest, I think that they're very ineffective. Um, their bookmarks have uh, two of Michael's books, uh, the covers of their books, and, and two of another author in their books. And the biggest problem I have with these particular bookmarks is you give them to someone and they know nothing uh, uh, about the book. Uh, what I did with the bookmarks that we've designed for Michael and what I try and tell other authors to do is make the front very, very pretty. Uh, make it almost like, a, like an ad for a, a movie. You know, um, have a headline. I think in, in Mike's um, one for the Crown Conspiracy, the, the tagline is, they killed the king, they pinned it on two men, they they chose poorly. And, you know, that's kind of just something to get someone interesting. But then the important aspect and the most important aspect of this is the back has the same blurb that you would see on the back of the book. And typically when Mike's at signings, what I will do is I'll stand out in the hallway and I will pass out these bookmarks to everyone who comes into the store. And without, with nearly no exception, everyone wants to get a bookmark. I mean, everyone uses bookmarks. They're free. It costs us 2.5 cents a piece, so I can afford to pass them out very liberally. And what will happen is they always thank me. People are, are just ecstatic to get bookmarks. And then they'll walk into the store, and they'll flip it over, and they'll start reading the blurb. And they'll kind of be wandering, reading, wandering, reading, and then suddenly they're at Mike's table, and they're right in front of him. And then, of course, because they have them in the hand, it gives him a great opportunity to say, oh, you know, I see you're, you're reading the bookmark, and I tell you a little bit about my book. And that really leads for uh, a great lead-in. The other thing about bookmarks, though, is you can use them in so many places. Uh, again, in the D.C. area, uh, we use the Metro quite a bit, uh, and people read on the Metro all the time. And uh, I always have bookmarks with me. I always, you know, politely give someone a bookmark on the train, they, and it makes their day. They smile and they say, oh, thank you. And then again, you know, they, you know, you can see, and I always try and give it to them, like, as I'm getting off or as I'm going to my seat or something of that nature, and you see them reading it and stuff, and they put it in their bookmark. And, and uh, you know, we've actually had people uh, at our last signing, we had some woman come up and said, 
Yeah, you know, I was at one of your other signings. I got your bookmark. I didn't buy the book that day, but I was, uh, you know, going by a pair of jeans. I found the bookmark in my pocket, and I read the back, and it really interested me. So when I heard you were coming back to the store today, you know, we, we put on our calendar to come down and buy a book, and they were very excited about it. So, um, you know, I can't say a, a nice, uh, enough nice things about bookmarks. There's all kinds of guerrilla things you can do with bookmarks. Um, you know, I, I put a bookmark in every library book I return to the library. Um, I've gone into bookstores and put my bookmarks into other books of that genre. So when they're buying a book in the fantasy realm, they happen to have a bookmark from Mike's book. Um, there's all kinds of things you can do with bookmarks. And they're so cheap, you definitely should use them. So you, you mentioned that bookmarks, bookmarks were number two on your, your marketing list. Uh, can you summarize the, the, other, the other two that, that are on that list? Yeah, sure. So, so number one is website. I mean, you have to have a website. Um, and the fact of the matter is, is they're, they're very inexpensive these days. Um, one of the women at the lecture um, that I was doing said, you know, well, you don't really need a, re- a website. You need a, a web presence. And she was arguing that with sites such as Authors Den and, and Goodreads and stuff like this, you kind of have an author's presence. And, and while I certainly say that I believe that you should have Authors Den and Goodreads um, profiles and so forth, you, you really just have much more control over your own website. Um, you have the ability to, to have um, very easily buy now buttons, whether that be like a Google wallet or an Amazon or a uh, PayPal type thing where you can uh, have people buy the books directly from you. It allows you to control things such as reviews and posting of reviews. It allows you to have a a way where you can uh, post events that are coming up, whether it be a convention that the author is going to or whether it's a a book signing that they're doing. So you really need a site that you can kind of control. And, you know, you know, this is marketing 101 that a lot of authors don't do. You have to constantly update your website. You know, um, give people reasons to come back. Um, make it make it changing. You know, I update my site oh, probably three or four times a week. Um, it's it's not uncommon for me to do that because we're always having new signings or a new review got posted or something of that nature. So, you know, I think I think that's really important for them to uh, to use that. As for the uh, third um, most important marketing thing, uh, free books. And I want all authors to have in their, um, in their arsenal uh, or in their marketing budget a number of free books that they can use uh, for things such as uh, free book giveaways, um, also for sending to reviewers. Um, it's very important to, to have books for that. And also for entering into various contests and so forth, um, a good uh, you know, even if you only win a third place or an honorable mention in the contest, that's a great thing to put on your website, to put on your bookmarks. Um, so, you know, entering into these contests are very important. And, and reviewers, you know, it's very, very important to have free books and send them to reviewers. Um, I, I will just touch on one thing about reviews. Um, I, I also blog very importantly about never paying for reviews. Um, Sending someone a free book is a perfectly legitimate thing to do for reviewing, but, but never give them a book and then also a check. Um, that just diminishes the, the review from both sides. One of the other questions that I had was about, was about resources to, to find out more, uh, whether it's publishing, marketing, whatever it is. 
you know, there are some books out there that, that, you know, I've seen either on your website or I've heard you talk about from, uh, Key Morris, uh, the, those type of things. Um, wh- what type of resources do you recommend? Are there any particular books or, 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 or other venues to find out more about, about publicizing and writing your books besides your site, obviously? Yeah. So, um, you know, I'm a, I'm a voracious learner, uh, and that's one of the reasons why I do this blog is is I don't want the information to kind of congeal in my head and not go anywhere. You know, with the internet, the the amount of resources are just amazing. Um, part of the problem, obviously, is is an information overload. There are a couple of things that I feel very very um, strongly about, and and it, particularly for people who authors who have just got done writing their book and now they're in the process of going out to uh, either get an agent or go to a publisher with that. And that is, um, and it's on my website, the, the number one resource in my mind is something called um, writing a, it's, I forget the exact title, but I think it's something like writing a great query letter. And it was done by Noel Lukeman, N-O-A-H, Lukeman. And he's, um, he's like kind of an agent extraordinaire. He's by his own estimation, has, writ, has uh, read over 100,000 queries over a 10-year period. And he has multiple New York Times bestsellers and a number of other people that he has uh, represented in the past. And he wrote a short on Amazon, uh, and it's a great short. It, it's probably 30 to 40 pages. It's free. It costs you nothing. Um, but if you did one thing and one thing only before sending out a query, uh, read Noel Lukeman's a short from Amazon because he goes step by step through all the do's and all the don'ts and really gives a, a, a great condensation of um, of what he learned uh, you know after reading all these thousands and thousands and thousands of queries. The other thing I think is there's a, a number of really good um, marketing sites out there. Um, there's something called a, a, a there's a person who wrote a book called A Thousand and One Ways to Market Your Book. Uh, fantastic book. He also has a website and a blog, and uh, he's constantly like um, he has a newsletter that comes out every week, and and he has a lot of uh, guerrilla marketing techniques. Um, for those who aren't familiar with the term guerrilla marketing, um, it's kind of what I was mentioning about putting bookmarks in books and bookstores. Um, these are very low cost, unusual ways to get your word out that don't cost you a lot of money, um, and he's always a great resource for kind of coming up with these interesting little things. Uh, just another little example of a guerrilla marketing technique is um, one of his authors made up these little um, these little pieces of paper, they're cardboard, um, that kind of hang down below a shelf that, that kind of explains a little bit more about, it's kind of a mini ad for his book. So in the bookstores, on the shelf where that book is, you can kind of, he can give those to the bookstores and they can slide them in and kind of get some extra uh, advertising for that particular book. And there's all kinds of little gems like that in 1001 Marketing Tips for your book. Do you have any advice in regards to uh, some of the print-on-demand type publishers? What to watch out for, what, what, what not to do? You know, there's, there's quite a few people using those resources these days. And I noticed uh, on your site uh, you have some some good recommendations as far as what, what, what to do and what to watch out for? Sure. So, I, you know, I think print-on-demand is, is a, a fabulous technology. And I think people have to be aware that um, there are pluses and minuses to print-on-demand. Um, one of the great things is, um, particularly for authors who are trying to get um, stuff done without uh, huge amounts of investments on their part, uh, print-on-demand is... Um, 
phenomenal from the standpoint of for, for virtually no money down. Um, the, the, the two best print-on-demand sources that I can think of are one called CreateSpace. Um, that is an extension of Amazon, and um, what happens is, is uh, with all print-on-demands is you give them a, a book, and they put it on special machines, they store it up, and as someone comes to Amazon and buys your book, they literally print off one book just at that time and send it out. There's another, uh, there's another company called Lightning Source, um, and they are the exact same thing, only they're for something called Ingram. Ingram is a distribution channel, and almost every time you buy a book from a bookstore, it has gone through some distribution channel, and most likely uh, Ingram at one point or another, uh, because bookstores don't want to send out checks to thousands of little publishers across the country. So they write all their checks to a dis distributor. And when you put your print-on-demand book through Lightning Source, um, you basically have it so that anyone can walk into any bookstore anywhere in the world, give them your ISBN, and again, um, they put it in an order to Lightning Source, and a single book comes off. Um, so this, this presents a, a great opportunity where you don't have to print up you know, 2,000, 3,000, 4,000 books like you used to in the old days in order to get your book out there. Um, a lot of the, the companies that are typically uh, coined as self-publishers, uh, iUniverse, Lulu, Book Surge, etc., um, they are actually just print-on-demands. And they are, believe it or not, using Lightning Source and CreateSpace. And... Uh, the, the really what these, what these companies are doing for you is they're doing the layout for you. They do a cover design, they do the layout design, and then they use the exact same companies, this CreateSpace and Lightning Source for the distribution. So what I tell a lot of authors that do want the control over doing things themselves is to uh, cut out the middleman. Go directly to CreateSpace. Go directly to Lightning Source. Um, you'll, you'll save yourself several hundred dollars. Um, you might need a little help laying out a book, um, but there are a number of ways you can get that done, uh, and a lot less expensively than something like an iUniverse, and uh, it's really worthwhile. But let me just say one other thing about that. When you're using uh, a CreateSpace or a Lightning Source, the per book price is a little bit more expensive than you'll get if you did print up books in, in a larger quantity. And Here's the big secret that, that sometimes when I give my lectures, people don't even get after I told, tell them about it. It's not an either or an or thing. I say, take your one book, print up 200 to 300 copies from a small press run, and have those so you can sell them to direct, so you can use them for review copies, so you can use them for contests or whatever, and then have that same book available through the Create Space uh, Avenue, so you can have Amazon, and also through the Lightning Source Avenue, so you can have the bookstores. There's no reason for it to not be in the same it, through all those channels. It's the same ISBN. You don't have to issue different ISBNs for them. Um, but this means that you can have your cake and eat it too. And uh, it's a great avenue for uh, getting your books out there with, with very low cost. And by doing that, that small press run, a book that w might cost you, you know, four, four and a half, $4.50 for like create space, if you did a, a print run of 200 to 300 of them, you could probably get the price down to about 280 each. And so um, it's a lot better for you to use your, your review copies and stuff at 280 a piece as opposed to 450 a piece. And at 200 books, you're only talking about investing, you know, 400 to 600 dollars. So it's not that huge of an investment. And those, and the good thing about those is those aren't vanity presses. 
from a create space or a lightning source, those really are print on demand. And you know, to your point, if you know you're going to send out some of those copies, you need to have them on hand instead of waiting. But you know you're also not paying the exorbitant fees if you go through a vanity publisher. Right, and and actually, you brought up a, a very good point that someone should uh, keep in mind too. The nice thing is, um, whenever you're doing this, and, and I don't know how much people are aware of this aspect. But uh, Boaker, who's the company who kind of manages ISBNs, as, as an author, you could go out and buy a pack of 10 ISBNs from Boaker and kind of start up your own label, your own small press. And um, generally, I would recommend you name it something other than, you know, Michael Sullivan's books. You know, you don't want it tied to your particular author. But the really great thing about these, then, um, is when it goes out into the world, when people look them up in the catalogs, they see it's on there from, you know, I don't know, True Horizons Press or Ryden Publishing or, or whatever name you come up with. And for all the world, it does not look like it's a self-published book. And this has great advantages, particularly because a lot of reviewers and um, a lot of other sources, libraries and, and things of this nature, you know, when they see, um, when they see an iUniverse ISBN, um, they know it's self-published, and there is some stigma that's associated with that. But if they see something on there saying it's from Wright and Publishing, they don't know that it's your own small press. They just know it's a, a publisher. And you can, um, can avoid some of those um, review problems that you get into if you have the stigma of an iUniverse or a Lulu logo on your book. Very good. Very good. Well, I think that's, that's about all the questions that, that I have for you. Is there anything that you would like to add from, from an audience perspective or, or just kind of throw out there? I know we cover quite a few topics. Um, anything from the writing group perspective, what to focus on, how, how to make it more effective, more different? Um, anything else you'd like to add? Well, um, I guess what I would like to say is that, um, you know, first of all, to all you writers out there, I, I – I, I love you and what you do, and I know it's a very difficult uh, profession to get into. Um, I think it's particularly hard because there really are two things that you're going to have to deal with. Um, you're going to have to deal with writing your book, which is an insurmountable task at, you know, in and of itself. But then uh, regardless of who you publish through, I don't care if you go to a big New York firm or if you have a small press or you do it self-published, no one is going to be out there really, you know, pounding the pavement and telling the world about the book more than you are. And so you really do have to wear two hats. Or, um, like Michael, you have to have a significant other who's willing to wear one of the hats for you. Um, so it's, it's really imperative that you educate yourself on the business side of writing, um, that you learn as much as you can, and, and, and also realize that there are a lot of scams out there. There's a lot of people out there trying to take your money. Um, well, I was in one of my lectures, and, and this woman had talk, just talked about the fact that, uh, you know, she just got her book published, and she was very excited about that. And, and she had just signed a contract for, um, for a, a PR firm who is um, who's doing a, a rollout of her book. And I said, oh, that's great, you know. And, and she said, I said, well, you know, how much is that costing you? And she says, well, it, was, uh, it wasn't that bad. It was $11,000. And I just nearly fell out of my seat. Wow, $11,000. Um, know, <laughs> I could not believe that she would spend $11,000 on this. And, um, you know, and, and what I really want to say to writers is there are inexpensive ways of doing things. You know, you can get things done for, you know, take bookmarks, for example. You know, you can get 10,000 bookmarks printed up for about $80. Okay, there are cheap ways to do things, and you just need to learn what those are, 
make your penny stretch as, as far as you can. And, you know, don't, don't look for those big, you know, $1,000 here, $2,000 there. You know, look for the little, you know, $100 here, $50 there type things, and you can get a lot of leverage for very little money. It doesn't have to cost a fortune. And they're they're decent they're decent quality. It's not it's not like you're scrimping on quality either. It's just uh, it's just a different format. Yeah, and, and you know if you look at the the, the bookmarks that w- that we do up, um, you know the 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 printing places that I have my I have these resources on my, my on my blog by the way, and and I'm constantly looking for like the best price. The reason why the prices are inexpensive for them is. It's what they specialize in. I mean, in the printing world, you really want to target, you know, what you're having printed to the types of presses they're doing. And bookmarks almost always are like um, a nice four-color varnished front and then a, kind of a flat back. And uh, because they do these in millions of quantities, they can, they can do them at very low prices. And like you said, they don't have to be very expensive, but very high quality. Very good. Well, thank you for, for talking with us today. And you can find... Uh, more of Robin's work at uh, righttopublish.blogspot.com. Thank you, Robin. Thank you for having me. We'd like to thank Robin for this week's conversation. And remember, you can pick up her husband Michael's book at your local bookstore or your favorite online book retailer. Now here is Terry with the poetry and short story topics of the week. Terry? And here's this week's short story topic. Moving from Earth. The world is really too much with us. When it comes time for the last families to leave their humble abode and seek a better life on the recently expanded Mars community, they cannot find it in themselves to go. Most of the natural resources have been depleted and most of their friends and colleagues have already moved. These families want to stay. They want to try again to help the Earth thrive again. The choice would be easier except a new discovered surfaces and it's shared with only a few. But as with all rumors, the world the word spreads. One by one, the last families seem to disappear. Those on Earth believe they have moved to Mars. Those on Mars? Well, they don't seem to notice. Where have the families gone? What was this new discovery? You decide. Choose a voice. Are you writing from the viewpoint of one family or many and more omniscient view? Choose a location. Do they go underground or maybe somewhere in a better suited past? Write about details. Your story will be shorter than you would ever imagine, but save the rest for another storyline. Post it here or share elsewhere, but write and enjoy. And this week's poetry topic, windows. Windows are open and closed as we look at and through them. Windows can be physical objects that let in the light or inhibit us from experiencing nature. When looking at the reflections and refractions of light that hit our world within, remember that there is another world available to us. The houses we build can be sheltered from the light. Windows provide us with an opportunity to reflect ourselves on the confines we have chosen. Do we enclose ourselves inside? Do we let the light in? Or do we put up shades to shelter us even more? How large are the windows in your life? Are they open? Ever? Pull the emotions and connect the many. Be creative and look for symbols and intensity with the photo to paint your own picture and words. Post it to our website at storyinstitute.com or share elsewhere. But write and enjoy. Well, that's it for another episode of Story Institute's Rambling Verser. Thank you for joining us this week, and we hope you enjoyed the show. Until next time, imagine, enhance, and grow your stories. Thank you.